Welcome to the I-29 MUU Dairy Podcast. I-29 MUU University is a consortium of land-grant universities in Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska. This podcast covers timely news, information, and research for today's dairy industry. On this episode of the I-29 MUU University Podcast, we will be discussing silage safety and its importance. Hi, my name is Jim Salfer. I'm with the University of Minnesota. I'm an Extension Dairy Educator. And co-hosting this with me today is Tracy Erickson. She's with South Dakota State University, and she's a dairy field specialist. Today, we're joined by Connie and Ron Cooper, who are part of the Keith Bolson Silage Safety Foundation and also co-owners of Connor AgriScience. Welcome to the I-29 Moo University Dairy Podcast. Thank you for having us. We appreciate the opportunity to, to be here today and talk with the both of you. We haven't seen each other for a while here. I, just as a way of introduction, we're from uh, Clovis, California, right in the middle of the San Joaquin Valley. Our name of our company, Connor AgriScience, is a combination of our names. And so um, some people say, well, what's Connor AgriScience? Where'd, where'd you get that? But it's Connie and then, of course, Ron backwards, um, because it just comes out of your mouth a lot easier than some of the other combinations. So, but we, we're a family-owned business. Um, we've been in business over 25 years. We've focused on silage for the last 21. And we learned from lots of silage mentors, including Dr. Bolson along the way. We've participated in some of the international silage conferences as both participants and co-authors of some of the posters along with Dr. Bolson. And we're really excited to be able to talk to you today about silage safety because it is a pillar of our forage programs. So Ron and Connie, can you talk a little bit about uh, Keith Bolson's Silage Safety Foundation and how you got involved with that? And listeners might not be familiar with, with the foundation. Thank you. So the Keith Bolson Silage Safety Foundation, um, there's a lot of people who met Dr. Bolson um, through his work in safety trainings and, um, and his handbook that he has. Um, Dr. Bolson passed away, unfortunately, on May 29th of this year, but the foundation was formed um, in 2017. It is a nonprofit corporation and it promotes silage safety and uh, silage management. We provide educational resources and materials, but the goal of the foundation is that everyone on a livestock operation, be it a dairy farm or a beef farm, goes home safely after working with silage. There is a website that has a lot of resources and information on it, and it's called silagesafety.org, O-R-G, silagesafety.org. And if you'll go on there, there's testimonials um, of people who have lived and survived silage avalanches and other silage accidents. And um, there's resources that can be ordered in both English and Spanish. And there is a way to schedule a presentation. And now in this, of course, in this day, we do uh, virtual presentations. Keith had a huge passion for silage safety. Um, he has spent his life making silage. He was a Kansas State professor. He and his wife, Ruthie, authored several papers on safety. And he was actually looking at retirement. And Ron and I said, you know, you need to leave a legacy here because you've done so much important work. And that's where the foundation was born in that he he and Ruthie founded that. Since his passing, we've had, we've reorganized the foundation a little bit. Um, I serve as the president. We have other people who are on the board and we are expanding that board and continuing the legacy that he and Ruthie began. You know, I have to comment, you know, some of the materials you guys have 
been gracious enough to share throughout our winter workshops and other events and stuff. And it, it, it is really a, a neat little booklet and some of the packets that you put together um, through that Silage Safety Foundation to share with employees, like I said, in English and Spanish. And so I really encourage people to take advantage of those materials as you work and train your employees about silage safety. With that, let's, let's delve into this a little bit as we start talking about considerations and talking about silage piles and making these big massive silage piles, you know that it's going to be silage making season pretty soon. What do we need to consider you guys? Well, we always talk about that first, before you jump on a tractor, before you do anything, that you have to have a plan. And um, we stress that you, you sit down with your nutritionist or your forage advisor or whoever or your extension person and figure out a plan, no matter how many years you've been making silage. You could be somebody that's made silage for 30 years, but you know, every year is different and every environment is different. And so even though you've done it before, sit down and take a minute to think about it and figure out how you're going to do this, lay out your plans, timing, environment, people that are going to be involved and, and make the plan. The other thing is about is communicating that plan with your crew. I'm going to turn it to Ron. Ron is more of the uh, engineer here with making piles and bunkers, and he has some suggestions for that. Well, one of the important things on the plan is to uh, consider uh, the area that you've got to work with. And we've got some resources uh, that actually, uh, there was a spreadsheet that Dr. Bolson and I had developed uh, about 12 years ago to come up with some calculations based on projected densities uh, to uh, calculate how many tons could be safely put in either a one, one to three or a one to four slope drive over pile. And in and, and part of this, we realized that things change in the middle of the harvest. You might end up having a, uh, a switch in the weather or something that could affect the, the timing of things. But as you go along, you can make adjustments uh, to the implementation of the plan. But you know, starting off with a with a good foundation where you say, okay, we're going to go, we're going to make this uh, as safe and efficient as possible of a silage uh, pile. And the other part, the other key part, part is to make sure that your tractor and push tractor drivers are understand the importance of doing six inch layers, packing inch by inch, not trying to put throw a whole truckload in one scoop with a blade and then driving over two or three feet of silage and expecting that it's going to get packed down. It just it just doesn't work that way. The delivery of the pile is very important. Uh, there's a, an 800-pound rule that we've got. Uh, these resources are both uh, on our website as well as the uh, Keith Bolson Silage Safety Foundation website. Be able to run some calculations for that so you have a balance with the weight of your packing capacity of tractors to the number of uh, harvesters, uh, choppers that you've got in the field. Every year, it seems like the industry is producing choppers that are capable of uh, going across uh, more and more acreage in a, in a given time period. And that's kind of a good news, bad news thing. I mean, it helps you get the harvest window because you have that efficiency. But the problem is, is that it doesn't work if you don't make adjustments to your delivery rate to balance that out to get the proper packing density. And I'm going to reiterate that because I think we put so much focus on trying to get that silage put up at 65%, uh, that ideal moisture and the ideal cut length that we mm -hmm. forget about, you know, this other factor as you're talking about the packing part, you know, and how important that is, your point there of delivery and getting six inches, um, no more at a time up over that pile. And, you know, and that's what really makes that good solid pack in that pile. And, and that's a great point. 
Do you yeah, yeah. have a suggestion on how tall a pile and or a bunker should be? Is there a maximum height that you think is really that you can safely handle and manage? Do you have any suggestions or recommendations? Well, it's interesting. We had uh, actually when, uh, at, the, at the time of Keith's passing, I was, I was preparing for a, a Zoom meeting to discuss that topic. Keith passed on a Friday, and it was the following Monday uh, that I was scheduled for this meeting. And then he and I had been doing some tweaks to our uh, spreadsheet uh, discussing that very topic. And for a given number, I mean, Keith was never really comfortable with anything over about 18 or 20 feet. Realistically, I mean, some people are getting 24, but when you start looking at, you know, 28, 30 plus feet, I mean, this this is kind of reaching the point where you're just pushing the envelope physically when you have that face. But I guess the rule of thumb is don't make it any higher than you can safely unload. Uh, you can deface it, whether you're using a rake or a defacer or bucket loader. You know, and too often we've seen, I mean, I, when I first started getting involved with this, I was spending a lot of time, look, we were just, just watching the process and seeing people on those silos. And I'd see them, they take a, a, a loader, you know, go up to a, a 25 or 30 foot face and go to the loader and start undercutting this. Uh, then gravity brings down that top part and you know, 95 times out of a hundred, you know, there's not a problem with that. Then, you know, there was a couple of times I, was, I observed that they, all of a sudden the loader got engulfed. Of course, you know, we got hurt, but I thought, well, this is, this is kind of, this might be over the top on here in terms of going for the height on here. So that's kind of a long answer to a short question, but keeping it under, you know, 20, uh, 20 feet is going to be preferable uh, on that, but be cognizant that the higher you go, the greater the risk of something unforeseen happening. You guys bring up a great point there. And I was talking here recently about silage safety on a, on a radio interview and we're snowmobilers back here. And I brought a point about, you know, undercutting and how you can actually end up with that cornice as you're talking about when you traditionally go access the face of that pile. And eventually you get that lip as you're talking about up at the top of the pile. And that's what actually collapses like in a snow avalanche and, and you know, will come tumbling down and it's no different than um, on the face of a, a silage pile. And so let's talk about the, the front of the silage pile. How should we go about accessing that and do so safely so that we can stay safe as human beings? You know, if we got to take either get the feed or maybe even get a silage sample, if you're a nutritionist out there, something like that. As far as the silage sampling goes, what we suggest is that you knock down the, the silage from the pile and go from all the way across. That was one of Keith's pet peeves was people who would take a silage sample from one side or the other side and send it in. And because the, the silage is, is not the same a lot of times on, on one side or the other, especially on these great big piles. So take a, a, a all the way across the, the face and then- With the appropriate equipment. With the appropriate equipment. <clears throat> yeah, never approach the face of a silage, of, of a silage pile. Our rule of thumb is uh, three times the height of the silage pile. Stay away from it three times the height of the pile. But back to the sampling though, put it the sample in a, in a pile away from the face and then take random handfuls in a five gallon bucket, mix them all up and that would be your sample so that you've got a representative because when you're feeding, you're gonna feed from that whole face. You're not gonna feed from just one spot. And then I might, I'd like to add too about the, the three times the height. One thing that we tell people is get yourself some safety cones and figure out how far away that, that people should stay away. 
other than the feeder, of course, in the proper equipment. But put those cones out and make a line of cones where that that mark is. And then that feeder is responsible for moving those cones when they feed off that pile. You know, we can put up signs that say, stay away from the pile, not safe, all that kind of thing. But those cones, as they move, because the feeder has to change them himself, it reminds him to be safe. As people drive around the dairy, they see those and they've moved from where they were last week or the other day. And so that's a reminder. It's a, it's a constant moving reminder that, that really has been very helpful, especially on the larger dairies that we've seen and the smaller ones too. Do you know of any farms that have signs like warning um, or signs around the bunkers just warning people that may not be familiar with potential avalanches? Is that a good suggestion? Or what can you do, whether it's during harvest or afterwards, to make sure that there's people that might be driving up that maybe aren't even familiar with dairy that much I think, well, this would be kind of fun climbing on the silage pile or getting close to it or smelling it or whatever it might be. What are some things that you're suggesting or that you see farms do that might be helpful for people to maintain a, a safe silage pile? Well, one of the things that we, well, we do have, uh, we do have some resources available for warning signs um, from some of our suppliers that have uh, provided those at no charge to, to users for posting out there. Uh, one other thing we've done is we've um, provided uh, yellow safety vests, high visibility vests for, uh, for dairy workers, uh, whether they're in the feeding area or working with cattle or whatever, so that if Somebody doesn't have a yellow safety vest. Somebody should make note that that person probably doesn't belong on the site. And whether that's a 50 cow dairy or a 5,000 cow dairy, um, you know that that's that's always a possibility of somebody who really is not knowledgeable of the, of the dairies just being randomly on there. It's uh, it is it is a concern. It is something that we are making recommendations on. I was just at a dairy just uh, north of Fresno last beginning of last week to uh, visit with a dairyman about their silage program and kind of do some fine tuning on what they've been implementing here in the last five years. And the first thing I noticed that when I was out by the silage pile waiting for the dairyman to show up was uh, the, the loader dr driver coming up and he had one of our yellow vests on. And that was the first thing I made a comment to the dairyman is that I pointed to him and I said, now, where's your vest? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he said, and he apologized. He said, you know what? He said, he said, I, and his, his had, uh, was in the wash. He, he had, a, he had a little misstep uh, on some slippery material on a dairy. And, uh, uh, but he did say it was something that his whole crew, they were really, they appreciate having those. They all feel it's like, you know, having a uniform for a team member and, and it, and it creates an awareness of, yeah, there are, there are dangers on a, on a dairy with the, equipment and the the easier you can see and be seen that's one lower level of risk it doesn't eliminate it but it, it but does make it a little bit uh, safer we've talked about some equipment as far as like the vests and i think that's an awesome idea just having them for visibility's sake and around the dairy not only keeping track of employees and other people on the dairy family members and so on and so forth you know being able to distinguish part of the dairy and who isn't but also when we talk about safety equipment is there anything else that maybe when we're accessing silage you know that we ought to consider or have accessible to our employees you know what do you think about respirators eyewear things like that 
Yeah, I, I think that that's important, especially when we're talking about upright silos. And we out here in California, of course, don't have those kinds of uh, those kinds of silage storages. But I do know that with the foundation work, that staying out of these upright silos is important. Using um, the buddy system, making sure that somebody's with you, that they know that you're there, that they're right there in case something would happen. Using a respirator when you go into a silo, checking for gases with a gas meter before you even go in, knowing what you're going into, airing things out before you go in. All those things are important. If there is a problem, do not go in after somebody call uh, the emergency officials that can help you with that. Don't try to rescue somebody yourself. And the um, unfortunate situation that you had in Minnesota where there were some deaths last December, uh, and that was exactly from my understanding what happened is that somebody went in, was overcome by gas, and then somebody else went in to try to rescue them. That's It's important to, to be aware of all those things and to mitigate as, as much as you can. I don't think people realize how fast you're overcome with silo gas. I mean, it's really fast. You've only got a couple of minutes at concentration. I think, Connie, you covered it pretty well. Just really ventilate, ventilate, ventilate. Don't forget about silo rooms. You know, we have less of those now than we used to. We have a lot more bags and horizontal storage. But if you're still using upright silos, I think it's really important to keep pets and other animals keep those walled off and make sure that those doors are locked because again you've got children that might be wandering around in these smaller farms and they don't know they're going to walk into the silo room and so I think it's just being really aware of those potential dangers and trying to do whatever you can to mitigate those. You know, you bring up a good point about children, Jim, and that's something that um, we have tried to work with. Uh, and we've we worked with Keith on a coloring book for children that can also be used for employees too. But we we made it so that children understand because sometimes we don't remember that we're thinking about employees, we're thinking about people who are working around. But I always say, you know, when you're a kid, the best place to ride your bike on that whole dairy is on that cement pad in front of a in front of a silage face. And it's the absolute worst place to ride your bike because of the safety issues. But it's nice and flat and it's really tempting when you don't have any other cement around to ride on. So that's important. Um, and you're right, we don't think about the children that either are part of the family that owns the dairy or uh, workers, employees that might live on the dairy. We need to keep them safe too. And educating them on, hey, this silage pile is a monster. You stay away from it. That's sometimes all kids need to know. Absolutely. You know, it, it can happen so quickly. And uh, kids, as we know, are very, very quick themselves. So, and uh, right. in the blink, blink of an eye and just, you know, like I said, and they're half our size and we don't often see them. So very important point there. You know, and the other thing we were visiting about is that I had a neighbor just a couple of weeks ago with a tractor rollover on the silage pile and um, he was making some haylage and, you know, got a little close to the edge as he was packing that pile and thankfully he was okay. But, you know, this can occur so quickly as we talk about packing the piles and things like that. Ron, when you started our conversation here, you know, thinking about packing these piles and considerations, you know, and using this big equipment in packing the pile, what things should they keep in mind? Well, the, you know, again, it, it all starts with a good plan. 
and then make sure everyone is understands the the, the final uh, objective and outcome that is to have the the highest efficiency of the silage management program and uh, maximum safety on there. So uh, so again, it, it all comes down to controlling the flow, setting that as a priority. You know, it's it's okay to let the uh, the drivers wait with a full load off the ramp there. Don't let somebody just come in and dump willy-nilly on there. It needs to be, packed tractor driver needs to be the one that's controlling the flow to where he or she can safely and efficiently get those six-inch layers of, of silage uh, packed down for a good foundation, layer by layer, inch by inch. As far as the tractor rollovers, um, that's exactly why we call piles and bunkers drive over because rollover just puts in my mind, tractors upside down and people are being hurt. Something that Keith was very um, adamant about in bunkers is that you not overfill them, Mm. that you don't allow yourself, take away the temptation to put that last few loads on there, make a drive over, a small drive over pile instead because of the opportunity for tractors to drive off those piles. Um, The other thing, making a drive over pile is what we suggest is if you've got a blade and a pack tractor that the blade, of course, blades up and layers in, and then the pack tractor will drive perpendicular staying on that pile the whole time, but drive perpendicular to the blade tractor so that pack tractor gets in there. And if they can't safely drive, then you know that you're making that pile too steep. Ron has a story that uh, we have a, a nutritionist out here that, that oh. has a story about packing the edges of a bunker. Yeah, we were having a discussion over dinner one time. He grew up in Ireland, and uh, he's got a, a, a Dr. John Kennedy. Um, uh, growing up at the family farm, we got to, we were got to talking about conditions that he got about uh, low dry matter or high high moisture silages, grass silage in particular. And I asked him, I said, "Well, I said if you're making stuff that was probably the 25 percent or less dry matter, um, I said, how did you keep? How did your family keep that from going butyric?" And he looked at me and he says, 25. He said, you know, we thought that'd be a good day. We were most of the time, we were running about 18 to 20% uh, dry matter. And he said, but my dad was very particular about getting everything packed and then covering it with multiple layers of plastic back in the 1960s. But he said, my job was after my dad or the worker would not get too close with the tractor, they'd always stay from the way from the bunker walls. But his job was to take the old draft horse, put a halter on it, and then walk it along the edge of the of the bunker to pack that outer two and three feet up right up against the bunker uh, to get get out as much air as possible in there uh, without having a tractor being at risk getting close to that bunker wall. That's a great story. <laughs> so is, Ron, is that your suggestion now, Ron? All the farms ought to buy it. <laughs> I, I think the University of Minnesota forth. can do a experiment with that. That'd be, a, that'd be interesting. We can measure densities and costs and good idea. I know some of them draft horses. Send me a video. Some of them draft horses have pretty big footprints. But uh, let's summarize, you guys, and and give us three to five take-home points as far as silage safety. And, you know, at the end of the day, just like any emergency responder or family member, the objective is we all want to come home safe to our families. So highlight what we need to remember. Well, first of all, make a harvest plan so that everybody is aware and, and communicated so that everybody's aware of what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, 
and and how to safely accomplish the harvest. And then also train your people on how to uh, work safely around uh, while you're managing that face. Take the time to make the dense driveover piles. I know I grew up on a dairy in Minnesota. I know all about the anxiousness that happens with, we've got to get this done. We've got to get this done. We understand that. Um, but we also caution to take the time to make it correctly because um, safe silage is always, as Dr. Bolson always said, is efficient silage and they go hand in hand. Stay away from the piles once they're made and, and use a buddy rule when, when you're working around them. We have resources uh, on, on the silagesafety.org and, and our own Connor AgriScience website for videos and that kind of thing. And slow down and take a minute and review everything so that you don't have accidents. Accidents are, are preventable. I think you've done a nice job with that as a summary, and I don't know if I have a lot to add other than, you know, if you've got upright silos, your risks are going to be a little bit different with horizontal silos. You've you got a lot more potential for silo gas. And then one other item that we did talk about is let's not forget about children. I can just remember when I was young, there was, I live in flatland, grew up in flatland. There's nothing more fun than climbing on piles of anything, you know, and so I think we got to remember that. And I think Connie made a good point. That's probably the only place, either it's the center drive-through alleys of freestyle barns and I see a lot of kids on bikes driving up and down those and those piles or bunkers near those nice flat cement boy they're fun to ride bicycle on and to play with so I think we can't forget that our children and then as Ron had mentioned they've got some signage so make sure you put signage up because there may be some people that uh, will drive up on your dairy you might not be aware of that would like nothing better than to get close to that great big pile have their picture taken whatever right in front of the pile so I think it's important to do that. Um, I have one other story that I'd like to share with you that was very sobering to me. Um, several years ago at World Ag Expo, we were in our booth there and, and a gentleman came up and he had seen the Silage Safety Foundation uh, information. And he said, you know, I am a volunteer fireman for the Tulare County Fire Department. And he said, we get these calls and not everybody hears about them, but we get these calls to come out to a dairy because there's been an avalanche. Nine times out of 10, they get there and it's not just a little silage that's fallen down, but it's a, it's a big clump of huge tonnage that's fallen down. And he said, you know, there's sometimes that it happens that it's, it becomes a, a rescue. It actually turns out into be a, a recovery of somebody who has been injured or at the worst died in an avalanche. So that was, that was a, quite a story that he told and, and that I've always remembered that. Yeah, I know Dr. Bolson had talked about uh, kind of the size and how much tonnage is in a small area of silage. And so how much, you know, say you're under an avalanche, it doesn't take a lot of feet of silage on top of you to be a tremendous amount of weight. And of course, you just don't have the opportunity to breathe and you're going to suffocate. So I think it's important to be aware of how really how heavy silage is in a reasonably uh, shallow layer of silage. It doesn't take four or five feet. That, and you just can't get out of it because you're so disorientated because you don't even know which way to dig. And so I think it really is important to be aware of that safety to prevent those bad situations. Yes. The, and, you know, as an owner of a farm, the liability risks that you face when you don't have safe silage to work around and the legal aspects that you have to face are another sobering reality. 
Yeah, and I think more farms are aware of the safety. I mean, I think they're trying to be safe, but I'd just like to emphasize again that it's important to slow down. I think Ron said that, Connie said that. You know, time really, really is important, but long-term, I don't know of any farmer that couldn't think of if they had a death or something, whether it's silage or a farm accident. Uh, safety, I think, really is very important. And so we, we just need to make it, raise the awareness, I think, on our farm, the, the consciousness of how important safety is, and then do something about it and make sure we do it. So with that, I'd just like to thank um, Ron and Connie and also Tracy for joining us on this broadcast of the I-29 Moo University Dairy Podcast. And make sure you check the episode links for notes and additional resources. We'll probably put the website up there with a link. And also there's information from our sponsors at that site. Thanks for having us. Thank you and have a safe, safe uh, silage harvest this fall. I-29 MooU is an equal opportunity provider for the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries go to extension.iastate.edu forward slash diversity forward slash ext.